0: Thanks for listening to the New Life Church Circe podcast. We're glad that you're joining us today. You're about to hear message audio from one of our weekend services, but before you do, just want to remind you you can tap the link in the description or text Circe to 88,000 to get connected and stay up to date with what's going on on our campus at all times. You can give online, join a live group, or find more information about joining a serve team as well. You can also request prayer. We love praying for the needs of our church every single week. If you have a prayer request, tap the link in the description, or again, text Cersei to 88000 for more information. All right, well, good morning, church. How's everybody doing today? All right, all right. How about those Razorbacks? (laughs) That's hard to watch, isn't it? Uh, Yeah, too soon, Greg says. Uh, It's hard to watch. Listen this year before I hop into the message this year I have something that I'm wanting us to do as a church and um, it's very simple, but I want you to bring your physical Bible, okay? And so um, the reason and, and heart behind that and we have been a church that pushes you version. It's phenomenal. We're still going to push it. Uh, we still put our notes on there, et cetera. But the reason I'm going to push for a physical Bible this year is because we have very limited time together. It is, you know, we get this hour, hour and 20 minutes a week outside of life groups to be together collectively. And when we are in this, even though an iPad is great and a phone is great, this does not have notifications on it. It doesn't have Wordle. So if you if you get bored with me and you want to play Battleship with somebody who's five rows over, uh, you know, and and this happens, okay. And so, um, but when we have our physical Bible, um, you know, you're able to open it and lock in and make make your notes, and you you make this one hour really, really sacred. And so, I'm not going to police you on it for sure, but I think it's just a great opportunity and a great habit to get into that when we come together just just to bring this i i I know we go overboard to project scripture uh, and and to show it to you electronically but um there's just something about the tactile experience of a bible um when i was a kid and this is in no way to sound braggadocious but i i i loved the smell of one i don't know if you got you know it's kind of like a new car smell there's a new bible smell and it's probably not healthy. It's probably loaded in chemical dip or something. But um, I, would just, I would just smell that thing all the time. So the, the tactile experience of a Bible is great. And here's the best part. If today you're here and you really don't have one, we're going to give you one. Okay, and so if, if you need a Bible, scan this QR code and we're gonna get one to you and we're gonna get it to you fast, okay? And so uh, hopefully, if, if you're, you know, started your like a, a one year devotional, you're gonna be able to hop in quick with this. So there is no shame in not, not having one. There's shame in not having one, someone extending to you the opportunity and then you're not doing it. So here's a gift to you take it, receive it, all right? So just uh, make a mental note this year when we're together to bring our physical Bibles. And I say that as I'm about to preach from a laptop. So uh, Luke chapter 13, let's go there together today, all right? This is a, a parable, and um, it's, you know, these are just those short, concise ideas that are uh, you know, supposed to just bring a life example uh, to us. And many times, um, you know, the parables were related to everyday things that, that they saw or experienced. It was about farming and vineyards and family relationships and money and all the things that we interact with as well um, is what a parable was about. And so we're going to do a three-week series starting uh, today called Rooted. We have used this series in the past. uh, We're coming back to it just because it's such a good catalyst for uh, a a January series. It's just a great baseline um, series to start on just thinking about uh, the the a year, if you're a goal setter, if you're a planner, if you're a person that thinks ahead, this is just a great sermon series to go. Um, how should I start with um, a fresh page? Okay, and so that's what the next couple of weeks is going to be like. So let's go to Luke chapter 13. We're going to look at verse 6 through 9. And so let me hop in with this. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in a vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it and did not find any. So he says to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years, I've been coming to look for fruit on this tree and have not found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? And in verse 8, the keeper of the vineyard says this, Leave it alone for one more year. Everybody say one more year. Leave it alone for one more year, and I'll dig around it, and I'll fertilize it. Meaning this, I'm going to give it some attention. Okay, give me, give me one more year to give it attention. Verse 9, if it bears fruit next year, fine, or great, or wonderful. If not, then I'll cut it down. All right, so... Very, very simple conversation, makes sense, requires no explanation. We all get it. When we get to the beginning of a new year, there is this natural opportunity to reset. And all of us do this in different ways. We have different patterns and habits and different preferences about what makes us feel good about facing another year. And I don't know if you've ever, um, you know, speaking of reset, if you ever, as, as a kid, you like reset the video game that you were playing. For me, it was Mario Brothers. And so if I ever fell down into one of the little things or the turtles bit me or whatever, I would just, I would just pull the cartridge out, you know, and start over. I just, there was something about the perfectionistic part of it, like, I don't want to keep on going like that. I, I'm going to reset it. I'd get frustrated and just reset it. You know, if, if, you, if you back it up a little bit and you had the Atari, you know, well, you had to just unplug it, you know, and plug it back in. And so uh, I would do that. If you're like my wife, you have an annual reset by changing something in, in your house. So she likes to move furniture around. She likes to change pictures. For us, December 26th, at 6 a.m. the tree comes down, okay, so you can hear her the day after Christmas, 6 o'clock in the morning, um, put on some coffee, and she's got stuff out of the attic, and she is packing up, like you get, you get up, and it's like March in our house, okay, everything is gone, so we hope you enjoyed it on Christmas Day. It's just how she likes to reset. She aims uh, very much in, in, the, in the direction of just, let's get it over, we're moving on to January. For others, you might do something like you change your, your hairstyle, or you drive something differently, etc. Um, I had a personal reset for this year, a goal that I had planned on, and I was going to lose a little bit of weight. But in my one-year Bible reading, I came across Leviticus 3.16, okay, and do we have that by, by chance? Do we have that? Yeah, it says, all fat belongs to the Lord. <laughs> so, as a man of God, I want to be generous with, with it. I want to be a good giver and steward, and, and, and so it all belongs to, to, to God. So if you're here today and you're a little over, guess what? You're, just, you're, you're looked at as a person of generosity, okay? You just, just steward it well. All fat belongs to the Lord. So put that on, on, on your fridge and move on. All right. So to bring biblical language to the story of the fig tree, what we're doing is we're looking at the fruit in our lives and we're assessing it. So we're looking at ourselves. We're looking at career. We're looking at family. We're looking at relationships. We're looking at last year. And we're going, you know, I want more fruit. Another way to say that, I want to do more. I want to be better at this. We've talked many times in this church about appetite. And what does an appetite want? More. It it wants to do more, be more, have more. There's this drive inside of all of us, an appetite, that wants more in some area. And that area is different for everybody in the house. But we want to have more fruit or better fruit, so we say, what can I change or shift or transition in my life that would create that? And so in this parable, Jesus does not use the word productivity at all. What he uses is the word karpos. It's a Greek word which means fruitful in act or in deed. So like what I do, I want to produce fruit. I want it to be fruitful. So it doesn't have the weight of productivity or, or a, 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 a metric. It is just like doing more, being more. My, my life producing great fruit, but it doesn't come with the weightiness of, of productivity or efficiency. So... What's interesting is how God deals with our lives so much differently than we deal with our own. And some of you are hung up in this in your spiritual walk with God. And the reason you struggle with Him is because you think He thinks like you do. And, but what we need to look at in Scripture is that God deals with you completely differently than you deal with yourself. We like to write down goals. We create uh, these resolutions, we come up with slogans and catchphrases and all of these things are surface level um, in, in many cases. They are, are just under the surface of our lives, very attainable and reachable and measurable and everybody gets it and everybody understands it. It doesn't have a lot of depth, but the great thing about God is that he looks in and sees the root And so he looks at what's going on in the depths of you. He knows why you think the way you think and why you act the way you act because he sees the root cause of that thought, action, or behavior. He gets it. He gets all of you. He gets you better than you get yourself. And so I've told you this before, but years ago now, there was this uh, giant sequoia tree. And overnight, this thing falls over. Okay? And this is one of those enormous ones, you know, the kind that people go and stand beside. There's like 10 people across it. They take a picture, just beautiful and huge and over overwhelming. And this thing overnight, like they go out the next day and the park rangers find it and it's on the ground. And so they call out all the specialists and they come out and they're looking, and the in conclusion was that it was trampled to death because the roots. Did not go deep like a taproot, it spread out, and people had walked around it, walked around it, walked around it until it had damaged the root system and it was no longer getting what it needed and it fell over. And so, we look at this giant, this enormous tree, and you would think that you know this thing would be just stories. Uh, In depth in terms of root system, but it wasn't. It had a shallow root system, and what trampled and what happened was the root system became trampled by foot traffic. The plan on that was to take the trees around it as they began to investigate the other root systems involved in the other sequoias, was to put a fence around it. So they said, We're gonna have to keep people. Off of this thing, so you can look, but you can no longer go up and put your hand on it. Okay? And so here's the point you can have all the strength or beauty or height, you can have all of the awe in your life, but if you don't have some of that fenced in, all right? If you don't have some of it guarded, if you're not protecting, The investment in yourself, guarding your heart, as Scripture tells you. If you don't have a fence around those areas that we are working so hard to build, then they can be trampled by the situation, circumstances, stress, and happenings of everyday life. And you don't realize how weak it's become until it hits the ground. So everything that we have grown to be can have the potential to fall over. I had a mentor that would often say, it takes a lifetime to build integrity and it takes one day to lose it. His point, keep a fence around the important things in your life. Sadly, in the modern church, many will calculate years of being with Christ. So sometimes you hear Christians saying things like, I've been saved now for a decade or 20 years or 50 years. But sometimes, again, to use that that, that, that word, sadly again, it, it comes out as this. It's not that you've got 20 years of growth and transformational change. It's that your initial experience with Christ is now two decades old. So it turns into one of these things like the Israelites. For 20 years, you've just been walking in circles, but you haven't been... Conquering things, pursuing things, taking the canons of your life, growing your family, growing your mind, growing your spirit. You've had a treadmill experience, and I've had seasons of this myself, so I'm not on a soapbox today, but you get on this treadmill in your religion, and you start walking, and you're where you you start sweating your body temperature rises but a half hour later you step off and you're in the exact same room you were when you began you didn't go anywhere and so sometimes that happens to us spiritually we're we're going to church we're reading a bible we're attending a life group but we we step off and spiritually we're in the same geographical location we, we, we were in because we're not developing roots. The tree is there, but no fruit. And you look at it, and if we're honest, you get disappointed. I've heard men talk to me and say, Kevin, I'm angry all the time. I don't know why. I've just got... Something's wrong with my, with my mood. It's not my, my wife complains about it, but now my children are old enough to recognize it. People on the job recognize it. My friends even ask me, why are you so mad all the time? And they come back to you a year, two, two, two years later, Kevin, I'm, I'm mad all the time. My wife says, my children, my coworkers, my friends, they recognize this in my life. It's because you've got, you've got height. You've got the awe. You've got got things that are loaded with potential like the sequoia, but the roots in your life are very, very shallow. So here comes some good news. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 3 tells us this. The righteous cannot be uprooted. The righteous, that's you and me, okay, saved, forgiven, forgiven. Covered by his blood. Whatever spiritual theme and context you want to get of it. The righteous cannot be uprooted. Meaning this, he is our fence. But what we have to do is become like this keeper of the vineyard. Look at the things in our lives and say, if it's not producing fruit, give me some more time. Let me get around. Let me cultivate it. Let me show it some special attention. Thank you for pointing it out. Let me deal with it. Give me one more year of time to cultivate it and work with it, and I think we're going to see some fruit. I want the attitude of the the keeper of this, this vineyard. Holy Spirit, show me in my life where things are not growing where I've been the same, where I've been stuck, but then give me a little bit of time. Let me cultivate. Let me get my hands back in it. Let me revisit it. Let me come back to the weak areas of my life and let me begin to see some growth there, okay? So if we were gonna compare life change to a recipe, what would be the primary ingredient? Well, I suppose since I'm the one teaching this morning that I get to choose what I think that might be, So today, I'm going to start this series by talking about one word, determination. Determination. It's a great January word. Determination. And so I want to begin with this thought. Determination is different from decidedness. Okay? In January, we decide a lot of things. I decide to do this. I decide to do that. Again, we make a list. You might as well wad that thing up, right? You make a list why because it's just decidedness if we can shift it to determination then it changes things decidedness is easy determination is what really fuels transformational change and the reason i emphasize that word is because it's it's not short-term change decidedness and determination are different in that determination brings long-term transformational change. I can prove this in one example. Okay, Here's the difference between decidedness and determination. You decided to get married. Okay, The reason you're still married is not because you decided to be. It's because you are determined to be. You determine in your life, every morning, that you are going to be faithful, or consistent, or stable, or loving, or forgiving. It is the journey of your life, and it is not just quality decisions. It is quality determination. Like, I am determined for this. Have you ever experienced... A letdown I don't, I don't want you to raise your hand or anything I, I, just, I just want you to let your mind kind of go to some of those things in your life that was kind of a letdown okay and then I'm going to talk about just in generality for my generation it was things like like this there was uh, y2k what a letdown <laughs> right we were all hugging our computers like you know the data is going to be gone. I'm going to lose all of this. The world's going to shut down. Do you remember how chaotic that night was? I mean, people were not even celebrating. They were waiting for the lights to turn off and for us to just live in darkness and go back to, you know, a very archaic uh, way of of living. And what happened? Nothing. It it blinked, you know, it went down to the last second. It turned to January and, and suddenly we were just moving on and we all felt so dumb. Because it was just a huge letdown. Another big one, this is still hard for me to get past, but Millie Vanilli, it was hard. That's a hard one. Okay? Right? Girl, you know it's true, right? Okay It's a, a great setup. Another letdown for me, when Michael Jordan played baseball, hard to watch. Okay? It's good? It's all right. They say, you know, he could have ended up being an incredible athlete. Played for the Wizards. He missed a dunk when he played for the Wizards. It was very, very sad. I don't know if you've ever let, let yourself down. I've, I've told you this many times, but when I was in, uh, I, we, we didn't call it Pee Wee. It was a little bit older than Pee Wee baseball. It was like Babe, Babe Ruth baseball. And um, I had, had never hit a home run. I had hit inside the park home runs, but I had never hit over the fence home runs. My dad was was my coach. I had been to batting seminars and had private coaching and I I just could not get enough, you know, velocity going. And I know it's hard for you to see me, but I weighed about 110 pounds too, so uh, I didn't have the guns then that I have now. (laughs) And... One day, one magical Saturday, the perfect pitch, the perfect time, the perfect swing. I don't, I don't want to create you know, too much incredibleness, but <laughs> it, was, it was great. And I felt it in my hands. And baseball players know what that means. You feel it in your hands, just the sweet spot of the bat. You know it was right. And I saw it. It was going. The trajectory was right. My dad was coaching first base. And I looked at him, and he, he looked at me, and he's like, this is going to be the one. And that ball hit the top of the fence. And bounced in yeah it was such a letdown and so what I thought was gonna be a home run was the most incredible single and my dad was like hey I, I'm sorry bud I, I'm I'm really sorry I was so disappointed and I cannot tell you how many times in my life I've hit the top of the fence in something right you think it's going to happen. You think it's going to open up. You think it's going to be the opportunity. You think it's going to be that answer to prayer. And if lo and behold, if that thing doesn't hit the top of the fence and come back into play, and what you thought was going to push two or three runners in, and your name being cheered, you know, aloud from the stands, turns into the best single of your entire life. It's a letdown. It happens. It happens. But determination, not decidedness, is what gets us through it, carries us on. I'm determined to live for Christ. I'm not just deciding to live for Him. I'm determined in it. Can I get an amen right there? Okay. Second, if the process is personal to you, then it's worth repeating. When you get down in the soil and you put your hands in it and you begin to cultivate, if that thing is personal to you, then it's worth habit forming around it. It's worth creating habits and systems and making sure that it's going to happen. You partner with that determination in your life with a good habit and something happens for you spiritually. Let me give you a bi- biblical examples first of determination. Naaman is stricken with leprosy. Elisha, he goes to visit. Elisha tells him the oddest thing. If you'll go down to the Jordan and dip seven times, you're going to come up clean. Because it was personal, he does it. He goes down there in all of his wealthy garments, climbs down into the muddy Jordan and dips not four or five or six times. He dips seven And he comes up clean. Why did he do that? Why would you agree to do something so odd and bizarre? You do it because it's personal. Elijah prays seven times for rain. He prays over and over and over and over again. Noah builds an ark for almost a hundred years. That's determination. That's not decidedness. That is, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it because it's what he asked me to do. He's blessed my family. He has has put us to the side to bless us as part of his family. Why? It became personal. David, when he goes to fight Goliath, Ken and I were talking about this morning, he gets five stones. Okay, Now, there was a theology out for a while. It's, It's fun to preach. But the theology was that Goliath had four brothers. So what makes that fun to preach is you get to be a little John Wayne there. You know, like, I'm going to get all of you. you know. I'm going to start with him, and then I'm coming to your house, and your house, and your house too. Um, That's great to preach. What I really think is David looked at Goliath and thought, I might miss him. This may take me a little bit. That's what I think. I think he grabbed five in case the first three didn't hit as well. You know what I mean? Like I'll finish him with the last two. He was making sure the gun was fully loaded, so to speak. And so he did not grab just one. He grabbed five. He was determined to finish this. I'm going to end this with you, this fight, this thing. I'm going to do it today. Why? Because I'm determined to get this done. It became personal. He said, you're not going to talk about God this way to me. You may do it for these other guys, but it's not going to happen here. It became personal. The fishermen cast their net to the other side. Why? Because it was personal. It was their livelihood. They needed it. They wanted it. These were things of determination. More modern examples of determination. I'm going to give you these fast. Michelangelo, he spends four years on his back attached to the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel and paints 343 characters in four years' time. Thomas Edison and his team, you know it, depending on what you find in in the research, it's going to say somewhere between 6,000 and 10,000 filaments to find to put into a bulb that would actually burn for a length of time. 10,000 tries, that's more than decidedness. That is determination. J.K. Rowling was rejected 12 times for the Harry Potter book. Now I know what you what you're saying. That's because the Christians prayed against it. No, it's not. <laughs> Lincoln, and you've all re- read this, but it, this is just a reminder. Abraham Lincoln, you know the president. So he was defeated for the state le- legislature. He had a nervous breakdown. He was defeated for speaker. Defeated for Congress. Defeated for land officer. Defeated for the Senate. Defeated for the vice president. Had a very tumultuous marriage. And two years after his defeat as the vice president, became the president of the United States. Again, not to create a theme here, but Michael Jordan. Game 5, 1997 finals, played with the flu, scored 38 points. Fast forward to 23 last week. LeBron James bumps his big toe on the bed, sits out for three games. Okay. Okay. Listen, if that offends you today, okay, my email is cwoodson at newlifechurch.tv, okay? If you're a Michael Jordan fan, okay, Kay Atkinson, there you go. Patience, third, patience and determination coexist. I believe when we see the story of this keeper of the vineyard when he says, hey, give me a year, okay? A year is a long time. Now, we all, it, we, we blink and it's gone. We're, we're, we're going to be doing candlelight before we can think about it this this year. It's fast. But a year is a good amount of time. It requires patience to say, when I get to December 31st of this year, these are things that I want to be determined for change. They coexist. They are partners. They are left hand and right hand. They work together. Sometimes Robbie will tell me she's going to go into a store to quickly pick something up. How many men, how many men in the house are brave enough to say, that happens to me too? Anybody? No, because you're a coward. Okay. Um, but for me, it happens. And so she'll say, I'm just going to run in here really quick. It'll be a store like Athleta. And so she'll go in there and that sounds to me like I'm going to run in here really quick. Sounds like 15 minutes, right? After 30 minutes, I text her and she's like, "I'm still in the dressing room." I can feel blood moving into my face. My ears start ringing and it irritates me because for me, I become impatient about that experience. I want you to hurry. You said you're but this is not the way God thinks of you. It's not the way he thinks of your life, or your situation, or your marriage, or the issue that to you seems impossible. He is very patient toward you. So he is going to say through his spirit, there is a part of your life that is not bearing fruit. You are stuck here. You are not changing here. And I love you enough as a son or a daughter to point it out. To to come to you, to tell you that this is an area of your life that could explode with fruitfulness. If you'll just tend to it. Our job is to say, yes. Thank you for pointing it out. Give me a year. Give me some time. Let me get my hands in it. Let me cultivate it. Let me circle back to it. Let me put put my hands in it. Patience and determination. So here's the word for some of you this morning. God has not given up on you. Start your 24 with this great news that the righteous cannot be uprooted. God has not given up on you. And for some, you might be here and there is a situation or a relationship that you think is over and done. You think you're done. God is not through with you. God is not done. Luke 13, 8. Sir, he replied, leave it alone for one more year. That's patience. And I'll dig around it and I'll fertilize it. That's determination. They work in tandem. So, this is what I I believe on this first Sunday of January. I believe. What if God is saying to all of us, I'm going to give you another year. I'm going to give you a year. This is your year to work on the roots. This is your year to cultivate it. This is your your year to take that part of you that has felt stuck or that you haven't turned over to God or that you haven't fully dedicated or that you've decided but you haven't been determined. It's a part of your life that is shallow, that's trampled with life, that always seems to shortcut something in your spiritual journey. God has blessed you with another year. So put your hands in it. Put your faith in it. Pour your life into it. Let it produce something great. Turn around in a year from now and say, Thank you, God, for the patience that you've given me. And between his patience and your determination, I'm going to believe God with you. For the fruitfulness of the areas of your life that are barren. This is the patience of God. And this is your story. And this is my story. And we have another year. We have another year of life. And being with Him. And doing something great and grand. So let's seize it. Let's take the opportunity. Let's roll our sleeves up. Let's welcome the Holy Spirit. Lord, you can look at any tree in my life. You can look at all of it. There's nothing I'm trying to hide from you. There's nothing I'm trying to to conceal. But look at every tree in my life and you assess its fruitfulness. And I'll, I'll work on it. Amen. Let's bow our heads today and